podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Hello everyone and welcome to a very special edition of Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. My name is Alan McLucas, I'm known as The Big Dog and tonight we have a very special show for everyone. A show that's vital and very important to every person in the world, mental health. But specifically we're going to discuss mental health and wrestling. So tonight I have a very exclusive panel to help discuss this topic. And for one night only, this will be a no-roast show. Don't worry, we'll be back next week. We'll still be roasting each other, but it's just probably not in the best taste for this topic. So tonight I'm just going to simply introduce my panel. Firstly, I'd like to introduce a good friend of mine, David Orkney. David, how you doing? How you doing, Alan? Good to be on board. How you keeping you okay? Yeah, coping as best I can, give all, th- all things considered. Excellent, good to hear. Next guest, another good friend of mine, and fellow GPS5 associate, Daniel Campbell. How you doing, mate? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? I'm very, very good. Good. Keeping all right these days? Ah, just when I can, like, I've managed to get myself a bit of a... I don't want to say, like, an easier time at work, but it's, it's less stressful now. So, it's it's helping. Good. That's what the most important thing is helping. Next, my good friends of mine, one of the regulars on the show, and arguably going to sharp his tongue in the pod, but I'm sure he's going to stay in it for tonight, one day. Stephen Stacken. How you doing, mate? I'm not uh, too bad, buddy. Good, good. You keeping alright? Beard, believe it or not. She'll need to give me tips. <laughs> I'll do it off here, don't worry. Make sure you get a beard oil. Next, our resident MVP and my best friend in life, Mr. Quackery J. How you doing, mate? I'm all good, yourselves? I'm very good, mate. And he's also one of my regulars, my GT associates. Making the millions, aren't you? <laughs> yes, but I, I prefer to the term where you're my apprentice. Sorry, I had to get that in, but anyway. Anyhow, and last but not least, we have a really special guest tonight. He is a source wrestler out of Source Wrestling, the king of the streets, Manling. How are you hey, doing? Hey, you cool cats and kittens. How's doing? Thank That's you very, very much for having me. Glad right. to have you. So yeah, so we'll just start off a bit of housekeeping as well. So for any back catalog and other episodes, make sure to subscribe to us at all good podcasting sites, iTunes, Android, and Spotify. Follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram uh, at Suplex Retweet. We've also got a YouTube channel, and of course, at Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet Extra. Find us there, excellent back catalogue, you won't be disappointed. And as well as that, we also have the website at suplexretweet.com. So, moving on to the topic, I want to try immediately give this stigma of mental health a kick in the backside. So, I'm going to ask you a few questions, and I want to see what answers I get back, okay? Don't worry, nothing to make you feel uncomfortable. First question I'm going to ask, what percentage of people do you think have a mental health illness or disorder? 40%. Any others? 60 percent I would say maybe 73. I'd say maybe like, I think everyone goes through some form of mental health in their life, whether it be something serious or something more minor, but yeah, I'm just going to say, it's got to be ridiculously high, I think. Can you guess a figure? Say about 90. Quacky. Based on what uh, Manwood said, I'm going to go with 100, maybe. I'm just going to take... Did you say I'm correct? Correct. Oh, okay. Every person, past, present, future, have or will suffer from some form of mental health, and there's no shame in it. 
at all. So just to emphasise, there should be absolutely no shame. I'm going to do. I've got a quiz, but I have a couple of questions with you. I'm going to name some celebrities. There is some wrestlers in this. Every one of them have openly admitted they've had some form of mental health issue in their life. I'm going to ask you to try and guess which one it is. Okay. Okay. So the first one, my absolute favourite wrestler of all time, The Rock. I'm guessing maybe, sorry, I, I don't know, but maybe OCD. Any other takers? Um, I don't know, I think that's quite a good shout from Kwaku with OCD, but I wouldn't be surprised that maybe, maybe anxiety. I'd say maybe anxiety as well, because he always talk, he talks a lot about his, uh, I think was it, was it, he always said he had like seven bucks in his pocket, and he mm-hmm. felt very, like he didn't have a direction in life around that time before he got into wrestling, so I th- I th- I'm going to guess something like anxiety. I'd say depression, because he keeps saying about obviously when he, he hurt his knee for, he wanted to play American football and stuff like that, so I'd probably say maybe depression. Stratch correct, depression, and that's exactly what it was, where he get kicked from the NFL, tried in Canada, didn't work, and then obviously the struggles his mother and father had trying to make things mean growing up. So if a guy like that, you know, they admit he has depression, why can't everyone else? There's absolutely no shame in it. The world is there to support you. So if a guy can act and do it, that's your inspiration. But yeah, I mean, I personally have anxiety. And no, I feel a bit anxious tonight because I'm hosting. It's something I don't do very often, but I like to try and do it and push myself. So it helps me to try and overcome and control it. So that's just me personally. So that's why he's an inspiration to me because he's came through that and look at the successful career he's had and it shows as well that it doesn't matter what you're doing, where you are, it can happen to anyone. Okay, so the next one, Ryan Reynolds. Ooh, I I don't know why, but OCD screams out to me a bit. I'm not really sure why though. The only thing I will say is it's not depression. Every person I'll mention will have a different thing, a different mental health illness or the issue. I'll give anxiety a shout. Say that. My heels be Deadpool, so I, I couldn't think yeah. <laughs> uh, I know next to nothing about his like background or anything about his personal life, so I'm just yeah. I'm just gonna make a guess and say anxiety. Uh, the only film I've seen him in was Van Wilder, which is a cracking film. Oh, Absolutely. Uh, I loved it. But in um a pass honestly I cannot tell you. It's actually we said anxiety. And mm-hmm. you said the worst thing you ever had anxiety was when Deadpool was about to be released because he was so passionate and so desperate to play it. He was so worried about it backfiring like Green Lantern and he nearly wrecked his career. But as we can see, it was the opposite. It's made him. And it's a point franchise. Cannot wait to see him in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So, we'll go back to wrestling. Alexa Bliss. Oh, um, is it like uh, anorexia or body dysmorphia? Something like that? Yeah, it's body dysmorphia because I remember talking on is it Lillian Garcia's podcast? I uh, chasing glory. Yeah, she talked about how in her cheerleading days she was um, bulimic. Yeah, bulimic and had quite a, a much smaller frame about her. And I think I don't know why, but I've seen some articles online saying that's kind of why she wears a t-shirt for wrestling now. Yeah, and it's yeah. So next one, Lady Gaga. Uh, I'm not too sure on this one. I'll I'll, I'll have to pass. I, I don't know she was heavily bullied at school. I, I don't know that. She was sexually abused by a manager or something like that as well. Mm, yeah, and uh, that that one as well. She, uh, I know she's um, overcome vicious and disgusting sexual abuse over the years. So, like she's she's actually a big inspiration to so many people just because she's had a lot of challenges and 
Lakar, she's she, she's pretty much on the top of everything she does. Maybe, well, now that you've said that, now that she's had to overcome so much, I'm, I'm wondering, maybe PTSD? Correct. Postmaster stress disorder. Mm. Yep. Uh, we'll move on quickly. Next one, Albert Einstein. Oh, uh, was he not autistic or Asperger's? Correct. Autistic. Yeah. Arguably, this, the greatest brain in human history was autistic. Isn't that an amazing thought? And lastly, Pete Wentz. Yeah, followed by basis, doesn't it? Yeah. Just be showing my pop culture <laughs> uh, knowledge there. I could not tell you. So it's bipolar disorder, Pete Wentz. And as you can see, this be, the, the theme I'm trying to get about this is you can have these issues, it still doesn't mean you can't get ahead, and like you can't get on, and like you can't be at peace with yourself. These are people that are hugely inspirational, and you openly own and admit it, and I think it's a fantastic thing. So that was the point I just wanted to make on explaining why I've picked those people. Now, just to bring it back to the wrestling, we know there's been a lot of wrestlers who have openly admitted previously that they've had mental health issues. Um, there's been quite a lot it's mentioned about certain ones, but there was one in particular I actually wanted to open up and discuss briefly, and then we'll go around and ask if anyone else wants to discuss any other cases. One of them was Test. So, do you have much vacant legacy about the reasons about Test and what happened? He used to be a roadie for the for Shoot Motley Crew. So, basically with Test, I've seen this online, I don't know if it's true, and I've never been able to find it, I remember speaking to Quacker about online. I seen something that apparently he had more headshots in wrestling than anyone else. And that kind of explains his downfall to his sad demise. Um, but he, over, he accidentally overdosed on oxycodone. And it wasn't until he's, he's had his autopsy discovered he had CTE, which is chronic traumatic encephalopathy, if I said that right. And that's basically what a lot of American footballers have. And it's rumored that's what Chris Benoit had as well, including some other wrestlers. I mean, what? how does that sound to yourself hearing that? about a guy who's 33 when he sadly passed away having a degenerative issue like that where his brain showed symptoms of somebody who's in their 80s suffering from Alzheimer's. Like, that's that's terrifying to think of as well and I'm actually glad you brought Test up as well because I remember actually seeing Test compete at a live event in Glasgow like all the way back in 2006 I believe it was and it was an extreme rules match against Sabu and I remember he took about maybe two or three chair shots to the head and he ended up uh, like he took a a busted open spot as well so you could see he was uh, bleeding from the face and stuff but the fact that you've said now he took that he's taken that many chair shots I think it just puts into perspective like how much damage he suffered from it yeah absolutely I mean as I said I, I've not, not been able to see this video yet it's a video I've seen on I can't seem to find it but apparently that was the rumour that he had a record for that, which is quite shocking. You know, I could pass it over to Manuel. You are a professional wrestler. It's stuck as well because you've got professional wrestling background. What does that, how does that make you feel hearing that? As I say, it's it, like, I think from when I start, like, I'm not nearly in the level that, you know, these guys are. But I think just the way everyone, like, even the way people take chair shots now is different, especially in the places like WWE and stuff, you know? Uh, I think it's now just the same. I'm sure even American footballers, even differences, you know, and it's just trying to make everyone a bit safer for everyone. And again, I'm, I can't really talk much from because my experience is very different from the experience that, say, like that guys like Test and stuff like that would have, you know. But I don't know, it's terrifying just hearing that effects like that can happen to someone at that age. 
I know Test went. I was a big fan of Test when I was a kid, and yeah, it was horrible to hear him. He was only like again in his thirties, accident overdose, and mm. yeah, he was thirty-three. Thirty-three, far. It's not. It's you know, like I'm twenty-seven. That's not far off me, and that's I'm depressing, you know. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a shame. It's a shame, and it's you know horrible. But things like that do happen in the real in the world, you know. Well, just to basically pick on a point that you were discussing earlier, although it's a horrible, tragic way for his career, his life to have ended, at least the industry has seemed to have learned something from it. And as you just basically mm-hmm. mentioned, yeah, the way chair shots are taken now is utterly different. Um, mm-hmm. And I suppose that's also a massive bonus to the well-being of the wrestlers. Mm-hmm. Well, like I go to quite a lot of shows and. Um, in Scotland and um, sometimes I go down south and watch shows and stuff and I watch a lot more diverse shows from uh, across the world and stuff now and you do see you do, you, you do see the all chair shot direct to the head where they've not like they're not to give the secret away like um, Kushner with some form of uh, like using a hand or maybe like taking a direct head shot to the chair you don't see that as often these days and it's because the way wrestling particularly uh, since um, to, since I would say probably since 2003 onwards has evolved a lot where a lot of the spots that we would probably talk about that came about in the Attitude Era or before they don't do it as often now and, and sometimes a lot of promotions don't do it at all and it's purely yeah. because the science has been advanced where they found out. I mean, we're even now discussing about stopping kids' heads in a football, for example. So it's just that because the science has been backed up and it's showing that P- uh, promotions are adapted because obviously promotions do have a duty of care towards their performers to make sure that uh, they're okay. Yes, we, uh, we want entertainment, but not the entertainment where basically you know some days and like you know, it's obviously mitigating the risk because obviously there's huge risks in wrestling but it's just making sure you don't take an unnecessary risk for, just for the sake of it if you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah i'd say the thing with test is like as well uh it's different maybe like taking one chair shot like because quacko mentioned he's been down shows just all over britain and stuff it's that like a guy getting hit, with, hit in the head with a chair. It's still not good, but it's maybe happening, you know, at most like once a week or something. That, you know, while I'm sure Test was maybe three, four, maybe even five nights a week getting scalped multiple times in the head with a chair, and it's just that continuous, you know, head trauma that eventually just builds up and builds up. You know. Mm. Yeah, I think course, the thing I mean, Jamie, that a bit played there was the fact that people think when you take a chair shot to the head or you take it'd be bang actually that a stop sign or a baking tray or something mm. to the head a ladder oh it's, it's wrestling it's fake it's, it's not getting hurt and you don't realise when you even stuff like a DDT mm. it's, it hurts it severely hurts especially if you don't kind of if you drop yourself wet you get that blaze of colour behind your eyes and you go well, that's a concussion. Or you get blip Bubba Ray when you get bull- a simple bulldog after a ladder with Jericho. That was it. Switched his lights out and he had no clue where he is. Mm-hmm. Concussions are easily done. It's not a case of, I've done kickboxing and I've took more concussions than I can remember. That's the scary thing. And it's people, you see somebody get punched in the head and you think, oh, it's just 
it's just a punch to the head. You don't realise the actual damage that person's taking with getting a hit like that. No, abs- no, absolutely. I think it's all really bad points. Another thing that I think as well, just talking about how it's changed the industry, I think actually for the better. One example I keep coming back to my mind is when The Rock and Ken Shamrock had their main rivalry for the Intercontinental title, and uh-huh. Rock hit him square on the head, hard as he could, with a steel chair shot. Mm-hmm. And Shamrock admitted there was no kid on, there was no padding, there was no beeping. He took it. I mean, Okay, that might have been your kid at the time, you think, oh, that's brilliant, it's fantastic, and all that. but looking back now, I personally kind of cringe at it a bit, because I feel, from a story perspective, it doesn't really tell a story, where I'd rather see them perform it, or the actual talking of it, I think it's more enthusiastic, it comes across much better. I mean, do you guys feel the same now, the fact that certain things like that, and even some states' pile drivers are banned, you know, for example, it's helping the wrestling industry, from a more entertainment perspective. Yeah, it's, um, you know, th- those were the times, you know, moves like that where, you know, oh my God, you know, th- those are those moves are so devastating, like, you can't, and it's hard to really, like, carry out these moves safely without causing at least some form of injury, but I think it makes sense, you know, why, you know, wrestling as a whole has sort of moved to something a bit more acrobatic and ground-based stuff, because not only is it still entertaining to look at, but it actually keeps the performers reasonably safe to an extent. I mean, obviously, you know, there's still going to be moves like, you know, if a, a misplaced kick to the head, you know, could easily cause the same amount of damage. But I think it's, you know, a fairly decent substitute from, you know, physically being dropped on your head when there's not a lot of padding between, like, the guy's head and the ring. Because when it comes to, like, kicks in general, you know, you, you practice these to make sure you're doing it safely. But uh, with a pile driver, you know, one one misstep you know that's it career over I think oh, like cool. with a pile driver it's like pile drivers can be done very safely but mm. it's the thing with wrestling moves even a like maybe a couple of, like day one of wrestling you get taught how to do a body like a scoop slam mm-hmm. uh, and the one that always sticks out in my mind is uh, No Way Out I think it was o- was it 03 or 02 I can't remember the one uh like Kane scoops up William Regal and Regal oh, yeah. just mm-hmm. yeah it's like I think it's like, like I remember because I actually used a pile driver as a move I remember being terrified when I first when I was practicing it at first because you know it had that sort of mystique about it like because mm-hmm. banned in WWE and all, but it's look at it, it's not a burning hammer you know and it's I think it's always down to like anything can happen with any move, you know. I think like the a big thing about a pile driver, it comes down to uh, I think one of the turning points in WWE with the pile driver was obviously Stone Cold Steve Austin taking that mm. devastator one up ended and broke in in the result of a neck uh, fracture. Yeah. But at the same time, when you look at that one, you just, I mean, I'm sure uh, Manlon and Strack, especially Manlon who uses it, would be able to tell me, tell us better. It, it just didn't look like the spotting was right. And it, it just from the lift and everything, you could just tell that's not going to go right. And right enough, it didn't. But I mean, I've, in independent shows, you do see a lot of pile drivers. Uh, you, do, uh, you do see a lot of destroyers and stuff from different people and stuff 
and I've not really not, I've not yeah, as far as I've seen I've not seen an issue or anybody coming out recently in the times I've been watching because of a pile driver. So it's it's just it's just making sure that and that's where you need proper reputable skills and we've got an abundance of that in Scotland, which is fantastic that we teach you how to do those kind of things safely so that it minimises the risk of these issues having down the line. See, my rule was, see if I was going to take a pile driver or something like that, I'd look at the guy and see if he's got quite thick legs, I'd be no problem taking a pile driver. See if he's got quite skinny legs, I'd be a bit hesitant because I'm like, ah, there's not a lot of cushion there for my neck. Mm-hmm. I totally agree with all the boys are saying, guys. I mean, that was one superstar I wanted to bring up, because I feel Tess, sadly demise in the situation that happened, affected wrestlers for the better. It changed the way Obviously, much before the ethos, the mentality, actually telling wrestlers to start looking after themselves. And I know there's loads of other wrestlers and people in wrestling really discuss it. I'm going to now just open up to anyone. Is there anyone here you feel that is quite good for to talk about? Uh, I've actually got one example. It was fairly recent because I remember this guy was actually posting. Uh, he posted a video on YouTube about it as well, and I'm pretty sure I shared it with us a while back. Uh, Big Cass from mm-hmm. Cass XL. Mm-hmm. Like he's actually ever since he left WWE, he's actually been very open up about his struggles with anxiety and depression. And he went to this really, this really long sort of video monologue about you know he was talking about how you know just because he was a big guy, he was looking, he was starting to get out of shape, and you know he, he was drinking quite a lot as well, like in between in between shows. And I'm pretty sure he actually ended up having a seizure on the on an independent show as well, mm-hmm. and it all because of you know the the stuff he was doing to his own body, and, and you know he he talks about it you know from a place you know he was struck he was really struggling mentally, you know whether it was anxiety depression and he was I'm pretty sure he was mentioned to be claustrophobic as well and it ended up he ended up breaking a, a door on a tour bus or something as a result. So it, it, it's things like that, you know, if, if things just start to pile up, it, it's an indication of how much damage it could do to your body without without even realising. Do you think potentially from a, looking at a WWE perspective, Big Cass is one of the guys who's fallen through the cracks and hasn't been protected? Should have been? I think maybe, well, for, for a company that's as well resourced as WWE is, I'm surprised he didn't, he didn't get the help he needed, you know, he wasn't... I don't think there was anywhere any word that he was checked into into rehab at all. But like he, you could tell like in his last few days with WWE, I think he just had his last match at Money in the Bank 2018, and then he was then he was released almost the day after. And but, you know there were a couple of things. You know he did some stuff that didn't sit too well with folk backstage, and you know maybe that may have had a, a hand in his release. But I think to an extent, you know if he was struggling, WWE probably should have been able to help him out with that. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I mean, is anyone else getting else thoughts on Big Cass? Well, what David said there is really worth looking at maybe what the WWE wellness program like. Uh, a lot of, um, sort of quite a few good number of wrestlers would uh, commend the wellness program that they have for making sure that with the wellness of uh, performers and uh, everyone alike. But it'd be interesting to know what structures and things they have in place to tackle mental health. Because obviously it's it's all well and good doing a lot for physical health, but it's worth maybe seeing what are they actually doing with regards to uh, mental health. Is it as robust as their policy with physical health? 
that's something that would be quite interesting to know. I'm obviously not going to speculate because I'm not a WWE employee, so I don't know. But it'd be just interesting to know what that is. Hang on, you're not a WWE employee? You know everyone, surely you're an employee by WWE. Oh, come off it now. <laughs> I, thought, I thought there were no roasts. <laughs> it's not a roast. It was totally guy in I just said that. Oh, fair enough. Um, yeah, no, I think all really bad points. We can kind of well, further go on to maybe discuss WWE's uh, wellness policy, especially when it comes to some storylines as well. Mm. We'll discuss later on in the show. But in regards to, like, Dan, is there anyone you'd like to discuss in regards to sort of mental health and wrestling you feel that should be? Well, there's, there's one big case, and it's it was well documented a few years ago, and that is Jake the Snake Roberts. Mm. Jake Roberts in like the eighties and the nineties, like he blazed a trail as being one of the best on screen villains of all time. He didn't need to do big flashy moves, didn't need to do anything. He just had to give precise words that would just you know, it would just cut straight through to the point and you would actually be genuinely terrified of him. And then but the thing is, while that was Jake the Snake on TV, off screen he was struggling. And he admits it. Uh, he had suffered from abuse in his childhood and he would turn to uh, alcohol and drugs to try and escape that essentially that was the only way he felt could cope with it mm-hmm. and it would carry on throughout his career unfortunately coming to a head at a live event where he was too much under the influence to be able to do anything and you know the, the only way I could say he, he basically embarrassed himself unfortunately that evening and while Everyone was, like, a lot of people, like, this is the one thing that I like about, it's one of the plus sides of this whole thing is that while people suffer, there is still this, like, the fans don't just stick around and watch on TV, they'll care about you outside the ring as well. And a lot of Jake Roberts fans were messaging Diamond Dallas Page, who was starting to get a lot of attention with DDP Yoga at this point. Uh, They were saying to him, please try and help Jake. And... Like, there's a, a documentary that was released. It was called The Resurrection of Jake the Snake. It's a really good documentary. I recommend that mm-hmm. if you want to learn and experience the full story of Jake Roberts, please go and watch that. I highly encourage that so that we can learn more about what's going on. But through uh, Dallas's help and just uh, like getting a routine in, Jake Roberts got to a position where not only did he get inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame, not only has he now appeared on television, he's also gained back his family. Yeah, no, absolutely spawn. I, I was watching a news thing recently with DDP as you mentioned, and that's another guy who is openly admitted he has mental health issues. He actually has ADHD, and he's learned to own that and channel that through his yoga. And as you were mentioning, it was like, he's done amazing things to help Jake Snake he's also helped Scott Hall he took them both in both for living with him as well mm. I mean he's such a really incredible guy who not only does he understand sign out but he also understands the mental health and the impact and the mental ethos required to be in the industry and succeed in it and he's a huge inspiration not just myself but no doubt numerous other wrestlers mm-hmm. yeah I think I think yeah, absolutely. I've just said the other day, it's so true. Like I think a big thing in that, like DDP, um, 
the work he's done with DDPY and yoga and all that. Well, DDPY yoga is the same thing, but anyway, um, the work that he's done with that is is really to be commended, and it's not only helped a lot of wrestlers, but it's also helped because um, you do see that um, DDPY has become a, a international brand where it's not just him. It's now they have like trainers and they have. Uh, centers around the world and they're doing great things in all over training a lot of people and yoga is one of the a great thing for um, physical and mental health really because all about the peace it's all about the meditation that kind of thing and doing just keep yourself in a good well-being spot so yeah I can tell you as someone who's who has done some DDP yoga, uh, um, it's not quite peaceful. <laughs> uh, I have I have done a wee bit. I mean, I've tried yoga and stuff, but I'm not gonna lie. I'm I'm a bit too restless to be meditating and stuff like that. Like I always need like a little project to do. I can't stay still. It's it's just something I do. So yeah, that's that's my fault. But one day I'll give it a good proper try. Once over, just come to mind, and then we'll just do DDP yoga for the day. <laughs> yeah, I think DDP yoga would be extremely beneficial for for some of us in in these current climates. Absolutely, I couldn't agree more. Uh, Stack, I'll come to yourself. Is there anyone you feel you want to highlight regards to mental health and wrestling? See, there's quite a few because obviously I, I grew up through the nineties and stuff like that, and you've seen a lot of guys just disappear, and then you'd find out when Agent Internet came in why they disappeared, like. Ultimate Warrior, he was one. It was quite a lot. Um, apparently, it was mental health issues. I think Raven was another one. That is quite. Uh, obviously, we've got to talk about one. I'm quite clued up with later on, obviously. But there's just there's a lot of guys who I don't know. Sometimes they say about the WWE wellness policy is physical and not a lot medical, mental. Because sometimes you see the way they kind of release guys for their job it's not really done in the best like, sympathetic or compassionate way some guys just get an email saying you've been fired some guys get a text and you're thinking well if that person's not really in the greatest frame of mind is it great to just give him a quick phone call and um, by the way you've been terminated see you later hang up I think a lot of that is to do with it as well it's somebody's just lost their job there's a bit of compassion don't just send them a text message or a tweet no absolutely I mean and that, that's more prevalent now than ever obviously in the last couple of weeks with WWE having their you know I put in reality commas a spring clean where a large number of employees you know performance and backstage have been made redundant as a result it's there's never a good time I personally do it twice in one year that's how there isn't a good time but Right now in this pandemic, it's it's got to be the worst time ever. I, I don't think it helps as well. Like, I mean, obviously, I say if you get released by a, an email or a, a fax or a text message or whatever, but I don't think it helps the guys who, yeah, again, if you're knowing the best in your mind, you get made to the storyline or a character that degrades you or you just don't want to do. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest, the whole Rusev Lana thing kind of, I just don't like the way that's been done. No, I can understand. I mean, I've seen a lot of backlash online in regards to did I marry a couple that really should be risking their marriage, they're airing the dirty wash it, they're dying laundry, you know. That's obviously one way. But then there's also a lot of, sadly, a lot of trolls online, eh, Latin backers, why are you doing this? This plan is this, it's that, you know. It's, I totally get where you're coming from. But sad fact is, wrestling kind of needs those storylines occasionally. I don't think they do, though. 
They they don't AEW's not doing anything like that and they're they're top I'd say they're top right now. AEW's a new company, so you never know what could be down the line. Like you never um, know, but I, yeah. I don't think companies need this because with the kayfabe is kind of the internet and stuff like that. It's kind of gone. You kind of know, like, oh, Rusev, Lana's no cheating on Rusev with Bobby Lashley. You know that's not true because you can go to Wikipedia and see Bobby Lashley's. I'm sure, he's married. Mm. Well, so okay. you know that's not true. So you kind of wonder what's the point. But it's kind of way like WWE is a. It's a show, like I get, I it's get the same it, way I watching it. Like it'd be the same thing way watching like uh, Game of Thrones and seeing two actors who happen to be together and them not actually being together. If you know what I mean, it's. No, I, I get that. I do get a, that. But it's a difference. A I think the difference with WWE, it's, WWE doesn't market itself as a purely in-ring product. Things like say Ring of Honor or uh, you know if it was. Like progress wrestling, you know, they're more based around just purely in-ring work. While WWE is more soap opera, you know, that's mm-hmm. like if you look at just even if you go on YouTube, the numbers that the Rusev Lana storyline was getting compared to mm-hmm. like, you know, just random matches was ridiculous. Because mm-hmm. yeah. like it or not, storylines like that's what make, what attract the non-wrestling fans or the people who are you know the more casual viewers. Uh, and WWE's wider community reach as well. They've they've got the, the whole be a star campaign as well, which is meant to combat bullying as well, which again is another big contributor to uh, maintaining good mental health. So I think you know WWE, if they're promoting an anti-bullying campaign, sure they they, be, they should be able to at least consider looking after their own employees from a Aye. mental exactly. health perspective. Totally like me. You find that with a lot of companies. Like, how many companies have you like started a job with, and they push this whole family sort of feeling onto you? Like, you're part of this family. You're part of this. Like, I had an experience with an employer who I worked with a couple of years ago, and they were saying you're part of this family. Where not everyone's included, everyone's this. And then I had a very bad spill, spill of mental health, and I was literally thrown to the wolves. Like, they didn't help me. They didn't do anything. You know, it's just that's what way a lot of companies are. It's, it's a shame that because you actually see like you would obviously see like a code of conduct wellness policy and all that kind of thing in, in a lot of companies and stuff but I've, I've worked at different companies at different levels and, I, and I'm not going to lie because um, my awareness of these sort of issues weren't up there so I didn't know it but at the same time I didn't, it didn't strike me that there was much in line in terms of uh, helping or dealing with uh, mental health issues that may come down the line with uh, workers. Mm. No, I've been places where, like yourself, man, they've been exceptionally poor. Uh, I'm not going to name who I work for just now, but I can honestly say they have been incredible. I've been quite a high stressful job, very fast paced job, and I had an anxiety attack at work. They were maybe sure I was okay. They asked me wanted to go home. I said no, I stayed and worked. But the next day, I got a phone call from the HR department. I panicked, thinking, "I'm going to lose my job here." And that was in phone just to see if I was okay. Could they do anything for me when I went back to work? I got taken away by an executive director just have a chat to see, like, "Is everyone okay? What can we do for you? Is something we can do?" So, you know, do you need to go speak to some of it? And the support has been incredible. And I'm quite lucky because I've managed to find somebody that does care like that. But if you say, I totally need to have places that are like, oh, well, just toughen up. That's it. Done. You just have yeah. to man up. You'll be up it's to It's good to get that out of that. It's going to come. You work for then. Yeah, mm. they are very good. I mean, they don't lie. They're like, 
this is going to be a stressful, fast-paced job. It's going to be hard going, but we will look after you and you do the rewards and stuff like that. They're great. So I can't complain about how they look after you because they make sure. And every day, not just myself, they do it to everyone. Our directors phone everyone in the team right now and check, are you okay? Do you need anything? Like, cool, need anything? Just phone me, message me. We'll sort it. So, I worked for somewhere yeah. where I got a phone call saying my stepbrother died and um, I said to my manager, I says, um, I've just had a phone call, my stepbrother's passed away and he said, first thing he said to me, can you finish your shift? Wow. That's what the guy wow. said to me, I was like, ah, seriously? That's brutal. That's exactly what the guy said to us, he's like, um, can you finish your shift? <laughs> I don't even know how to answer that. Same company when my grand passed away, I said about um, bereavement and they made my days off my bereavement. So that's what you ask Wilson who the company is, he'll tell you. I don't even know how to respond to that, to be honest. Um, <laughs> Shellshock? Yeah, that's, that was that's exactly That's how I, I, I still rip the company to this day. I've left it six years ago. Thankfully, you've left and things are better for you, I suppose. Meh. <laughs> Always looking on the bright side, Stark, aren't you? <laughs> the torches that are batteries. Man, we'll come to you quickly. Is there anyone you feel should be highlighted in regards to mental health and wrestling? Unfortunately, because a lot more talking about it now, uh, there seems to be a very high amount of pro- mental health issues in wrestling, like on every single level of it. But uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure. It's like uh, to go back to like your big cast question. You know what you said earlier. Uh, I think because the one that really sort of upset me because I used to have a bit of a drinking problem when I was younger and I think it was just it's like a vice if you know what I mean so it's like to get you through your day you'll maybe you know you'll be looking forward to having one drink and then it slowly gets more and more and more because maybe that's the only way you'll get through a day you know and I think because I was in a similar situation I was in like college and going to you know nearly going to uni and stuff and no, and nobody knew that I was actually drinking that much but I think that's probably a similar thing with Cass like I don't think like you're saying WWE should have helped him but I don't think maybe they maybe knew about that because to go to the first thing about doing that is admitting you need help mm. or admitting that you have a problem and I don't think that really hit him until he left WWE mm-hmm. which seemed which I kind of got from that video but it's but yeah, like, but over the last couple of years, there's been a, a thousands of like really good examples of men, of mental health advocacy in wrestling. Like big ones, like Daniel Bryan and Mauro Ranaro are fantastic exp- examples of that. Daniel Bryan being the main one because here was my uh, you know my favorite wrestler, one of the last wrestlers I got super invested into, like that storyline at uh, WrestleMania 30, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and here he comes out later saying he's dealt with depression and stuff, and I'm like. Well, that's someone I actually really look up to and admire and all that and hearing him talk about it made it feel like and he's this big you know big superstar and all that and it was like fuck I'm just you know it made me sort of think maybe like not not that I'm not alone if you know, like, something like that if you get what I mean mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's just a good indicator that you know you could be on top of the world as and be the best that you're whatever you do like whether it's wrestling whether it's another job or you know you could be an actor etc it's just at the end of the day you're still human you still have your own stresses and pressures to deal with and sometimes you know without even realizing it can just hit you like a ton of bricks so and the fact that he was able to open up about it as well i think that's just a good example to show you know yeah yeah he may be good at what he does but at the same time he's still he's still like any of us 
<clears throat> and I, no, I, I, like I think I think it was a good because, I, I, like, that was only like six about six years ago, but mental health awareness was even then wasn't as great as it is now, you know. And it was here's this, you know, big tough guy wrestler opening up about mental health issues, which really was you know back when maybe you were looked a bit more like like you'd, you yourself if you opened up about it you'd feel weak if you get what I mean mm-hmm. and yet here's this yeah. guy who's you know who seems so strong and so you know all that open up about it as well really sort of meant a lot to me at that time yeah I think you touch on a great point there as well because you know one of the obstacles of trying to open up is you know getting the impression you know you might come across as weak minded or anything like that like, and that was one of the big struggles I dealt with when I first sort of came to terms with you know acknowledging my own mental health and it was, yeah, I mean, it was it was a difficult step to get past, but see when you get it past yourself and you realise, you know, people are just there to help you. Like, nobody's going to judge you for it. Like, but only, only really horrible people will want to judge you or berate you for it. And you don't need these kind of people in your life. If, as long as you get the right support from the right people, then if anything, it'll encourage more and more people to... To open up about it if they're suffering with it. The hardest part of it is actually reaching out in the first place. Mm-hmm. Like I always, that's yeah. something I always struggle with is because I, I don't want like because then you've got like anxieties running through your head about am I inconveniencing people? Am I? I don't want people to look down on me. That's you know that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I don't want. And it really is like the people who are there to support you are the people you should be keeping around. And you'll find that there's a lot more people who are willing to support you and help you through things than you know than not but i've been extremely lucky in the past about you know because i've got i'm lucky enough to have my fiance to have my parents to have my friends to have the guys down at source you know Mm -hmm. i'm extremely lucky to have this support network that i do and without them i wouldn't be nearly you know as good as what i am nowadays you know and you're amazing (laughs) yeah i know Thank you for opening up, guys. You don't have to. You didn't have to, but it's amazing to hear some of your stories. And I think all the points you've made have been really, really valid. And you know, having that support package and having you know, something there to help you is such a strong thing to help you going through this. We all go through it at some point. So next, we're just going to have our break in a moment. And in this break, we're going to hear about Maro von Allen. Uh, this is his trailer of his documentary, Bipolar Rock, and we'll see you in a couple of minutes. Sought medication, and I was a mentally ill patient in a psychiatric ward. I was able to discover at a very young age that my voice was an instrument. Good evening, everyone. I'm he was just a natural. So much energy. I said, dude, you have a talent. I'm going to make it. I'm going to become a major star. And then the biggest battle of my life began. I was sick. I was really sick. We call it bipolar disorder. But it really describes two phenomena. One is depressive episodes and what we call manic episodes. He'd have these breakdowns, rage, uh, just the brain chemicals. We didn't know anything about it. You seeing someone with a mental disorder like that just melt down and just go, wow. I'm a fucking prisoner to my own fucking mind. Hey, mom. 
Um, biggest uh, show of my career. Thanks for your love and support. Good luck, Mono. Floyd Mayweather landing the right hand. Now it will. It tags McGregor again. I want to kick the living crap out of this. life sentence for a lot of us but it does not have to be a death sentence keep fighting the good fight ladies and gentlemen welcome to eat sleep suplex retweet welcome back everyone and that was Mauro Ronaldo's trailer to the documentary Bipolar Rock and Roll. And if you ever get a chance, do watch it. It's a fantastic watch. Really insightful, opens eyes up in regards to mental health in general, but also within the wrestling industry. Now, we're going to move on to discuss something very controversial. Some of the major storylines that's happened within wrestling that maybe don't sit well age or they just don't sit well now. Now, I'm going to open up to the panel because there's so many that can be discussed, but some maybe have been briefly mentioned. But is there any controversial story you think at times that was just too far? For me, I would like to open up with Eugene. Oh uh, god, yeah, Eugene. Eugene, I'm using a clinical description, I believe, and he was portrayed to be somebody that had some form of, and this is the clinical term, uh, mental retardation. And it's something that's definitely not aged well. At the time, it was really about, mm, like, he, he could have had the character of being a big super fan of wrestling and stuff like that, but it was just the mannerisms and the way he talked, and it's just not aged well at all. When you look, especially when you look back at it now, you're just a bit mm, really. I'm gonna pull the curtain back a little bit. In real life, I'm a care worker, mm-hmm. and I work quite a lot with people with like specifically children with autism. Mm-hmm. And as someone who works with that, that storyline turns my fucking stomach mm-hmm. everything about that it's just it's so you can do it i think you can do a character like that but the way wwe pushed it was laugh at him not yeah laugh at him. like for example like when i when i was early in my wrestling career i was doing more like i was doing a lot of child like acting very childlike or acting very aloof you know mm-hmm. but the when i made sure when i was doing my comedy stuff the joke was never on me it was always making the opponent looked silly. Mm-hmm. The thing with Eugene was here, and they weren't using any, they weren't saying, oh, he's, he's got childlike innocence. They weren't saying, oh, he's a big fan of wrestling. They were specifically as if he is someone with a disability. Mm-hmm. And they were laughing at him. And that disgusts me to no end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Remember, remember the bit with Sandman? Oh, oh that was. Oh, my God, That's yeah. That's way too far. The ECW crowd just decimated them that night. Wow, that's not even funny. It's just too too far. You've taken that too far. I also mm. remember they 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 had him come out, hijack a headset on Raw, say bushwhackers, and then lick Jerry Lawler's face, and then set off the pyrotechnics. Oh yeah, there was that as well. Yeah. Again, that with different contexts could work, but it's the all the stuff. It's specifically the commentary they said about him. The stuff that. Listen to when Eric Bischoff introduces him. Eric Bischoff specifically says, I have a very special little nephew. Oh. oh like, yeah. how condescending does that phrase sound just on its own? I wouldn't even say it's more like that's because 
back before we were we knew how to pop properly talk and before we knew how to address issues like this saying something was special was usually you know like i, I don't want to say the word right that, but it's that's just the way they've done it and it was laughing at disabled people basically which Mm-hmm. You you shouldn't have done then, and it's absolutely disgusting now. You know, mm. I I wouldn't have said. I, I'm not sure saying this angle was sort of ahead of its time because because I, th- I think if you replicated that angle in this in like today's times, people would like if it was still in WWE, they would get <laughs> slaughtered for it. In particular, you know, if you know, like I said before, you know, with the BSR campaign, like people are just secretly laughing at them. And, you know, like what you said with the ECW crowd as well, they just weren't buying into it at all. Well, I mean, I've seen WWE shows where they, uh, they like, they have the, the Special Olympics coming and uh, coming to a specific state. And then with they in that state, they kind of have a lineup of some of the athletes out there. And I, I, I cringe at the thought of they do all that. And then the next person that comes out is that Eugene character. And you're, you're like, mm, really? You, you know what I mean? It's just, mm, I don't know. No, I totally agree. Especially now that they have the Warrior Award, which is linked to people who either work with them helping people with mental health mm-hmm. or have suffered from mental health. It, it is quite poor taste. Let's be honest, there's no other way of deciding it. Yeah. And I, Eugene character, if that happened now, WWE would get absolutely destroyed social media. There would be like lawsuits. You know, it, it would absolutely die from yeah. if that happened. Look at uh, Bailey as a great example of how to do a more childlike character correctly, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. Mm, she, yeah. That was mm. like, you're saying, like, some of this, like, for example, see if Bailey came out and was like, oh, what's that? And started pressing buttons and pyro started going off, that would work. But mm. they never turned around and said anything like that. The joke was never on her, if you know what I mean. But with mm-hmm. Eugene, the joke was, lol, he's disabled, which was disgusting, you know? Yeah. It's just like, you know, back in the times of, like, Attitude Era and the Ruthless Aggression Era, you know, the, the, the late 90s, early 2000s, topics like that, like, were extremely taboo. Like, nobody ever really turned a blind eye. Well, people just sort of turned a blind eye towards it, and they said, oh, this, is, this isn't normal, we can just throw insults that way. It just goes to show, like, how far, like, culture has progressed. You know, we're a lot more accepting of, you know, people with disabilities. We're accepting more people of diff- basically anything different to what some people refer to as the norm. And yeah, it's just another example. You know, it's like everything you said about, you know, how much negativity uh, this would cause for WWE in today's times. It, this was a, an angle that could get away with it, given what time it was uh, it was carried out in. Well, you talk about obviously with Eugene at that time. There's one I'd like to bring up, which is much closer to our time, but I still think was very, very poor. And WWE have had a lot of criticism over it. Is when they talked about AJ Lee being crazy. Oh God, yeah. That I felt was very, very poor. Um, it didn't help the fact, you know, that our now husband at one point said, "I did crazy chicks." <sighs> yeah, I remember that line as well. Did they not get a? A t-shirt made of that as well. Yep, they did. I remember that one. That's just capitalising on a on a on a basically a slander. You know, that's something that's happened what 2013, 2014, 20, 20, 2012, I think. So it wasn't. So in the last eight to ten years, when mental health has been a major focal point for so many businesses, so many chats, just well-being in general, and they come out with labelling. 
arguably the top female talent. It's crazy. Uh, it's just precocious to me. At itself, it's crazy to even say that. And I say crazy with inverted commas there. Mm. I mean, what's everyone else's thoughts on that? Do you feel that that is acceptable? Or do you think that is unacceptable? See, in, in hindsight, it was heavily unacceptable, given that, well, at the time, you know, when I was, this is when I was quite invested in WWE, I would watch on a weekly basis. You know, I, I thought this was just all part of the story angle between her, CM Punk, and Daniel Bryan. But when when it comes out afterwards, you know, that she, this is something she legitimately deals with, like, as AJ Mendez, not AJ Lee. It, it really sort of puts into perspective, like, oh my god, we were actually, we actually found this angle entertaining when she's actually dealing with similar issues in real life, and just like, oh, mm. they've they've just done this in really, really bad taste. Yeah, especially now that she's a campaigner for mental health. Mm-hmm. So, share their mental health issues. It, that really, I, I, I mean, from my perspective, right, I was never the biggest AJ fan. I appreciate how good her technical abilities were, for good storyline telling, but we all have some of those wrestlers that you just can't get behind. And she was just one to me I just couldn't get behind. I don't know why. I don't have a reason. I just didn't see it for me. But I really felt for her after seeing that, that 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 time she was actually going through some of the issues that she was playing. And looking back, you can actually see the time that's not acting she's doing. That's mm-hmm. real. I think a difference where it's something like, I don't think that was, that's appropriate at all. Like, story but I think it's all got to do with how you present it such as like if you play a over the top cartoon character almost like take Mankind for example if they turn around and said oh Mankind oh he's crazy you wouldn't bat an eyelid because he's, su- he's such an exaggerated it's like it's like, it's like a Batman character you know mm-hmm. like Batman all the all of those villains are horrible examples of mental health mm-hmm. but because they're so cartoonish and so you know separate from real life Mm-hmm. It's more acceptable. Like, for example, I've I've been guilty of it. I've, whenever I've been describing my character, I'd say, you know, crazy wild brawler. But I think with the thing with WWE is AJ was a very grounded character, and again, a woman who's actually going through, you know, issues stuff like that. But I think when you're doing such a grounded character and referring to it as crazy and doing things that are more close to home, then it's probably not appropriate to say that. Like, mm. if you turn around and said, oh, Kane, look at me setting, like, JR on fire again, oh, he's crazy. That's, I don't want to say acceptable, but it's fine, you know. It's a bit more acceptable than, oh, AJ's having a mental breakdown. Oh, she's crazy, you know, which is a bit... Yeah, because, you know, it's defining the line between, you know, somebody who's suffering and somebody who's, you know, doing like really outlandish, outlandish things, if that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. I, I know, I know, it's kind of hard to sort of blur the line between the two a bit, but you know, if somebody's internally suffering, that's that's the difference maker. See, that's the one I was going to say. We were talking about obviously storylines that kind of you look at and you go, "That was a bit." Of, like the time I watched it, who who watched that actually either apart from myself? I don't know. Right, does anybody remember the Eddie Guerrero China thing? Mm-hmm. The, the, mm-hmm. Domestic, the domestic abuse thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, I yep. watched that back with a, a review show with Ross, and it was that was one of the segments. It was Eddie Guerrero versus Rikishi, and it showed you like, a package, the build up to it. And when I watched that when I was younger, I didn't really notice it. 
but now I watch it and I'm like, holy shit, that was, that's way unacceptable, that's basically domestic abuse, and then you obviously find out the stuff China actually went through, and I'm like, that's kind of just making the lassie relive it in our work as well as back home. Yours as well, it's Aye. like, uh, it's the same way there's a lot of storylines in that we could point to, like, for example, uh, Ty Runnels having a miscarriage, or Hawk trying to commit suicide. Like, mm-hmm. the thing is, like, we're watching Wrestling Tisket and and, and I'll defend I'll even I'll defend Vince Russo in some bits where it's more outlandish storytelling. But when it comes to things like that, like things that happen to real people in real life that are horrible things like things that would ruin your life, things that would scar you, you know? Then I'm watching wrestling to escape from things like that. Like for example, um I've I've had suicidal thoughts for most of my life. And if I'm watching wrestling, which is something that's so, you know, should be detached from all that, and then next thing I know, there's a storyline where a character's trying to commit suicide. That's not mm. gonna be the best, you know, no. the best experience for me. It's not, or like, say if someone has a miscarriage, like say if someone had a miscarriage, and you're sitting watching wrestling, and the next thing you're getting reminded of it by some trashy storyline, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. wrestling loses its form of entertainment. It's supposed to be entertaining. Yes, you're going to see all the top characters, and I know people want it bullying, but yes, you have to have the bad guy in wrestling at some point. Bad, good, face heel, and you're supposed to just be able to enjoy, relax, and have fun with it. But then, as you're saying, man, if you're watching something like that, it's it's like you're never escaping. It's a can we imagine must be an absolute horrible sensation. It must be like living in prison. Yes, yeah, a lot of stuff that's potentially triggering to people who have had mm-hmm. experiences like that. Like, and then you'll have people arguing, saying, "Oh, but it's like TV, you know, it's like in Game of Thrones or whatever." But then you draw a point: how far can wrestling go? Because wrestling's very like. <coughs> Like Game of Thrones is com- like something like Game of Thrones, for example, is very separate. Game of Thrones is a different world. It's it's not, but well, wrestling is trying to make itself seem real. If you know what I mean, mm-hmm. there should be no place for storyline, like, you know, suicide, misca- like that sort of stuff that was in the Attitude Era, you know, and even yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, just you talk about real life there. There is one that I feel should be discussed. It's when Marlon Ronello was criticised by Corey Graves. Uh, mm. Last year was Survivor Series takeover that affected mm. his mental health. Yeah, that was the perspective from fan perspective. Obviously, Corey's denied it. Maru has never really commented on it, as far as I'm aware. I mean, that added a new aspect for mental health and wrestling to me because for the first time, social media came into it and began mm. to affect it, and it no longer went from kayfabe and entertainment. It, it's real life. It's came home. I mean. What was the panel's thoughts on that? I was furious when I heard about that. In particular, because, you know, it's been mentioned before that Mauro is a big advocate for bipolar disorder. And as you mentioned, his, his whole documentary and everything, he was like the, the lead commentator on SmackDown. And, you know, then the, all the accusations about, uh, you know, JBL being a bully towards him and stuff. And that forced him to take time off because it affected him so badly. When I saw this, story about you know allegedly Corey was throwing shade at him like it, it just took me back to when those allegations about the bullying came out and i'm thinking now no disrespect towards any of the other announcers but mauro ranello is probably the best play-by-play commentator the wwe has brought in since probably jr and you know it's it's just it's, it's a real shame that he's missing out on doing a job that he loves and calling it on the big stages of pay-per-views, like 
something you know imagine him calling adam cole versus pete dunn at survivor series that would have been but like, you wouldn't want to have missed it it's just it's it, it just goes to show with social media words hurt and when you hide the, behind that veil of anonymity or just an avatar it it almost weaponizes it a bit and i know i can't stress this enough but you know mauro's condition you know it's as much as he suffers with it it's just a shame that you know people have to knock him down a peg for whatever reason but he is absolutely outstanding at his job and he shouldn't have to miss out on doing what he loves because of other people's behavior absolutely Shaq, i'll come to you about that i mean although you're probably the most passionate person in the podcast about nxt what was your thoughts on it i was livid because i, I totally agree with david mario is one of the commentators where like jr it, it draws you into the match you become you might be sitting at home 15,000 miles away or however far it is but GR used to do it and Mario now does it they draw you in so you're, you're on the edge of your seat and he's so passionate about it it kind of it's infectious you you become that way yourself they then hear that a guy who I'm sorry Corey Graves can only commentate when he's slagging somebody he can't commentate he just always has to make funny somebody and I deleted Twitter because it was so toxic I was close to reactivate my Twitter just to solely rip the piss out of Corey Graves because I'm like, ah, we'll mostly see how you like it. I know I probably wouldn't get his attention, I don't really care, but it's the fact that you're commentating a guy who's doing the same job as you, doing a better job than you, so you think, ah, I'll just start making fun of him or about his references to make yourself feel better. Mm-hmm. I'm actually getting angry thing about it now. I remember no. my main concern with the Maro situation was more when I heard that he wasn't going to be there at Survivor Series, I was actually more afraid for him because I knew that he had had the troubles with JBL already. The last thing we needed was for him to have been driven out over this. And I was hoping and just pleading for the moment where he comes back to TV and that TV where he returned, I was absolutely delighted because Maro, like he loves doing what he does. And if he wants to throw in like pop culture references or whatever reference he wants to throw in, that's his call he does it he's the one who's making everyone enjoy it he's helping build everyone's like mindset when they're viewing it i just, just I totally agree with just adding to that yeah yeah just can like, i just say his pop culture references are actually pretty damn creative you know sometimes you might cringe on them a little bit but you think okay that the way he's presented it was actually quite cl- was quite clever yeah, like he's not just yeah. doing it for like a cheap reaction he's doing it because it will actually relate to what you're seeing the fact that the fans have his catchphrase and they scream it every time you get a major pop and we all love it mamma mia mamma mia doesn't matter who else does it you need him to see it no see, I've still got a five pound bet on I'm, I'm waiting for the point that he's going to get that excited he's just going to scream motherfucker mamma mia or mamma mia motherfucker he has done mama F and Mia before, so. He has, yeah, he has, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's come close a few times, yeah. And, that how many, how many times can you say the fans have recreated a chant from a commentator since, you know, since JR saying this is going to be a, a slobber knocker or by God, that kind of thing in his accent as well. Like, no, no other commentator has been able to do that since like JR and then Mauro. He has this generation's JR and Aye. he's got the potential to be better, I think, because I think he's got a stronger vernacular, a stronger class, and as you mentioned, like, pop culture references. And I know JR would go on about the 
he'd have maybe some what they call a class of hick scenes with add in. And to be honest, if you're not really class of hick, maybe I'd use that in vertical commas, it goes over your head, whereas pop culture, I'd say over 90% of the people are going to get that reference. I think Marrow is going to be the standard bearer in the future for all commentators. And it's, to me, it was tragic this whole thing. And I agree with you, David, said earlier on that having him call the main event the Survivor Series would have just been absolutely magical. It would have been mm-hmm. utterly incredible. What I also hated about it was just the way WWE addressed it. And it's like, Mauro lost his voice the night before and stuff. Like, there's no need to sugarcoat it. You know, we're in an age of social media. People will hear allegations and stuff and they'll, they'll get a grasp of, like, what's going on. So, I just hate that WWE basically tries to either sugarcoat it or just sweep it under the rug as much as they can. Like, could they not at least try to uh, address it at least a little bit, even if they don't have to go into detail? Well, I think the problem with that is they do that there and he's just condoning bullying and they can't, which would have came up with this other ridiculous storyline, which nobody bought. I think that's the reason why they didn't. And I do, I mean, I'm probably all agreed, WWE does have work to do regards to bullying and also probably mental health. We'll leave it there then, we'll move on. And this is the bit I'm actually really quite excited about talking about. And it's this, I, I appreciate everything that everyone said, but this one's going to be more uh, stark and manly. And it's just about how wrestling can be a form of escapism. And first, I just want to come to yourselves. Um, how does wrestling help you within your mental health or does it help you create characters does it help you with storylines does it help you motivate performance how does it help you well I see the thing is it's not just wrestling with myself I see I've, do, I've done kickboxing I've done bodybuilding I've done Thai boxing MMA I, I've suffered I don't really talk about it but I have kind of suffered from mental health quite a lot in my life and I use them as a way to kind of outlet to flit I get like if a form of like aggression, especially when I've done bodybuilding, I hated my job. I wasn't really too keen on my life, and I just had so much ball up anger, so much aggression. Especially the relationship at the time as well. I just came out of. I was just angry at everything. Just honestly, I was. If I, could, if I said that to my wife, I said, if you'd met me when I was about nineteen, twenty, you would have fucking hated me. Honestly, I was just pure nastiness. And I used bodybuilding and training in the gym as a way of getting rid of all the aggression and most of the anger. Maybe shouldn't have done it with kickboxing and tie boxing because I hurt a lot of people. Um, it really kind of came in handy when you were winning Scottish and British titles. It didn't really gel that well with wrestling though because I, you can escape, you can be a character, you can be somebody else. But the kind of the mental issues I had, it was a lot of aggression, and you don't want to be going against a guy who. Obviously, I don't agree with that. You don't want to go against somebody who's going to stiff the shit out of you the whole match, and you're just not going to enjoy it. So, it's fun in a way, but it depends. But strong, if it's if it's escapism, you need it just not to be yourself. Wrestling's perfect. You can be who you want to be. You can act how you want to act. You can no say what you want to say, but look, if you want to be a certain way, you can do it. It's there's no there's no especially no there's no right or wrongs. There's no I mean, look at Sonny Kiss. 20 years ago, Sonny Kiss would not have been near a wrestling ring due to the stigma. And it's, as I say, the good thing is, if you are suffering from any form of mental illness, try and find an outlet. Try and find something to focus on, depending on what it is that's wrong. If you're feeling 
built up aggression, built up frustration and rage. Say, try MMA, try kickboxing, try blacksmithing. We just got a bit of metal and beat the shit out of it for an hour. You'll feel better. I know. I know the many times that I've been the, the night my grand passed away. I went to the gym. No, for these I didn't care for the steer fact that if I didn't go to the gym and get rid of this aggression and the anger I had, I probably would have snapped and killed somebody. So I was just like, I need to, I need to go to the. I, I text my mate. I was like, you ready to go to the gym? He's like, are you sure you want to do this? I, said, I need to. I have to. I can't sit in the house and let this eat away at me. Mm. So finding an outlet is probably the best thing you can do. Well, thank you for sharing that. Thank you. No, it's not easy. It can't be easy, but it's obviously it does add regards to this. It gives us a bit of insight how you feel towards it. No, Manlin, how does it work for you then? Is it, are you kind of similar to the start, or do you have a completely different perspective? Uh, so for me, wrestling's always been a form of escapism in some way. Like uh, <laughs> the earliest moments I've got when I can put, you know, mental health and wrestling together was. I had a pretty shite time in school, you know, I was bullied quite a bit and I didn't have many friends, so I'd always remember coming back and either playing vid- wrestling video games or watching wrestling, you know, that was always my escape and no matter how shite a day I had, I could always go back and watch, you know, watch wrestling and that would make everything better or make it easier to get through a day. And then when I was about 18, no, I was, I was about 19 years old, yeah, I just turned 19, uh, I didn't get into the next year of college that I was going to. Uh, I didn't have much going on in my life, and I decided just why not? I'll just go start training, you know. That'll give me something to do. And now that's became like, like, like Strack said, like an outlet to me. It's mm-hmm. as soon as I can step into that school, shut the door. That's the whole outside world doesn't matter for the next three hours or how many, how long I'm in there for. I've just got to cry about the squats, I've got to cry about the push-ups <laughs> and just try to survive and that's you know, an outlet for me. Uh, but the one thing, the most rewarding thing about it is now that uh, I'm now at a point where I've been wrestling in shows for six years now and I've actually got messages or I've had people tell me like, thank you for just, you know, doing it. And I'm realising people are, like, I'm not, I'm not the rock, I'm not, you know, anybody. I'm just... I'm doing like smaller shows, but people are coming to these shows, taking time out their day, and I'm maybe helping them forget. You know, I'm helping them making their life a bit easier to get through, and that's the most rewarding thing about wrestling. About what I do now is just seeing how happy people are, seeing that someone really enjoyed, like you know, me wrestling. I think it's not all dadges, mate. I think it's this kind of thing that we all get tell. If you can go out there and it's a crowd of 200 people and you can entertain one person, you've done your job. Mm-hmm. Speaking from experience, I actually watched you wrestle the legend as Mikey Whitwash <laughs> and I loved the match. Um, you know, Quacky was there right side, right beside, no far from me, and I'm not going to Iris and Stitch because I think your comic value is class. I loved it also, the technical ability you, Mikey, and the, the connection you have. 
it was absolutely sensational. Absolutely loved it. And see, when I heard they were coming on the show, I was buzzing. I'm like, oh my god, that's, that was amazing. <laughs> do, do, do you know the hard thing with announcing a Madeline uh, show, a uh, Madeline match, is that when he comes out and he's happy and clapping and stuff like that, and you're trying to be composed in the ring, and I just feel my shoulders moving, and I'm trying not to. <laughs> and it, it, it's just, it's kind of like the mask when he's getting the cops to dance with him. You're trying to be composed, but you just can't. So no, <laughs> a lot of people, a lot of people speak highly of you, bro. Because yeah, you bring a lot of positivity. So keep on it. Thank yeah, you very much. I, I, I really love that. Dan was there as well. I mean, Dan wasn't that a classic match. It was so much fun. I was in, <laughs> I was in stitches. Like, I, I was, it was a brilliant moment. Just that exchange where he just like, he just goes like, "Wait, I recognise you," and then. He, I think he, he says you're the monkey from Outbreak <laughs> and then he's just like he's just like I'm glad and he just like he just like walks around and he just goes I'm glad somebody got it I mean he's got something and then you just go I think we're scabies and he's like whoa <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's it went like the, like the technical wrestling was absolutely fantastic and then you get this moment where He's got you down in a headlock, and he's just like, put your arm in a triangle. <laughs> no, that's not a triangle. No, wait, I'll were show we, you what to do. Were we watching that Mickey Whiplash seminar during that match? Oh. <laughs> that's, that's a lot closer to real life than you'd imagine. <laughs> Did I just ask, what is it like being in the ring, Mickey? Because I've heard stories that he really is harsh in the training it's really a lot of training to get involved it's very physically training and obviously the technical perspective uh, you know, he is regarded as one of the best technical wrestlers in the UK you know what's it like being in the ring with them and training with them I don't, for me it'd be quite intimidating I think but what's it like for yourself the thing is like uh, I, like the way I think about Whippy is obviously very different from the way like quite a lot of people would be like uh I remember when I first met him, which was oh, about eight years ago. I was terrified of him, but he has this because because they had this like in the school like at, at a time, demo and Jam and Nicky and all were taking it, and Dunbar was taking it, and then there was Whippy lessons, and they were things people would actually actively book out of because he'd push you that much, and he he's never doing it out of like he's never doing it to be bad, you know. He's never he's doing it to pushes, you know, because mm-hmm. Whippy, Whippy's a, well, to me, he's a fantastic trainer, and he thinks that everyone has like his, you know, his they're his trainees. He's you know like that he like they're his responsibility. If you know what I mean, like, and I remember like there was a couple of years ago I had a really really bad you know set of mental health, and I remember specifically after one lesson which he noticed I was like lights were on but nobody's home. If you know what I mean. He'd take him in because we've got a small, a small area which is like storage where so it's like where weights and all that are kept, and he just talked to me for ages, and I think that was you know I'm a lot more comfortable like not around like in the school I know that's my safe place and Whippy's helped me through a lot just sitting talking to me about all my you know you know problems and what's happening with me and I I remember when I because I was actually meant I can't remember who I was meant to wrestle but uh, the card got changed quite a few times. And then I remember they went, "Oh, you're wrestling Whippy," and I was like, "Yes." Like I wasn't worried at all because I knew he's gonna get a good match out of me. So I didn't, uh, the only thing I was more worried about was because uh, Whippy's very witty, 
and very you know, like very fast paced with mm-hmm. and the thing is if you if you get caught up and you can't keep up with, with him in that that's when you look like an idiot you know so I was so that was the first time I've been really trying to be on my toes with trying to make people because usually I can I can just come out and do my wee entrance don't my wee dogs decide to join us hey pal <laughs> <laughs> we, we can usually decide to do like you know, I can come out and do a couple of comedy things and that'll be it. But this was the first time I was like, oh god, I need to actually think about what I'm going to say. I need to be, you know, quick and witty. So that was the bit I was more worried about wrestling with him. But to some, like, I know to some people it can be this scary deathmatch legend who'll murder you in the ring and all that. But, you know, he's just, he's my trainer, you know. So I wasn't worried at all wrestling, wrestling. A lot of people would say that he brings, he tries to bring out the best in you to um, for yourself and uh, or, and obviously that translates into entertaining the crowd and whatever aspect it is. So yeah, like he pushes all of us to our very best. Like, mm-hmm. uh, like I'm not saying we, you know, I'm not saying people in the school weren't good beforehand, but if you look at the difference in quite a lot of the wrestlers, you know now that come from Source, it's ridiculous. Like the difference in them, whether it be ones that have maybe taken a while to find themselves, or the ones like, for example, my tidying partner Dalen. Dalen has never been more switched on. You know, he's never been more on the ball, and he, he's he's never been better. If not mean right now, mm-hmm. like I remember he had a match with Whippy. I think it was the showcase before, and that was fantastic. You know, mm-hmm. and you know, I'm like as a guy who's teamed with Dalen for years, it was great to see him so happy and so put. You know, like pushing himself. Mm-hmm. And I think it because with me especially, it taken me a long time to find what I wanted to do in wrestling or how I wanted to portray myself. Like the one I can actually tell you the exact time it switched. It was a King of Streets match because <laughs> yes. it was, you know, it was Sean Walker was one of the guys that really sort of helped push me to what I could do or what I wanted to do, you know. But uh, bring it back because I went on about tons of stuff. But bring it back to mental health. Uh, yeah, being able to like, you know, show up pe- that people actually enjoy. You know, watching me and maybe I can get away from life for a couple of hours. You know, that's the most important thing to me in wrestling, is because I'm not I'm not the best wrestler. But when I get people specifically up to me going like, you know, I really enjoyed your match, blah blah, and knowing that you know it made their life a bit better. You know, that's the best thing in the world. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. I mean, that's an incredible insight. I just echo what I said earlier. I loved your match, Mike. I've seen you wrestle quite a few times now. <laughs> I, I think I think a class to be honest, and I think everything Mikey's doing, the source wrestling is brilliant, and I really enjoy the shows. And if you get a chance, when you know COVID nineteen stops taking over the world, get down and go and see a source show. I'm definitely I haven't had a chance to go to Govan yet. I really want to do source Govan. Oh, <laughs> are, are you sure? <laughs> I fancy my chances. But <laughs> I, I was at the last Govan show. That was a bit of a wild one. <laughs> so I have I've wrestled in quite a few places around Glasgow. I've wrestled in front of quite a few different crowds. I've even like even a while ago I done an ICW show back in twenty fourteen, you know? I have never been in front of a scarier crowd than Govan. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's that's very accurate. So I'm I'm a good guy. So I'm a good guy. I come out in the rumble, make big confident entrance. I almost shat myself when I walk, when I jumped through that curtain and I seen a sea of Wayne's screaming profanities at me. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, I jumped through. I I jumped through. I remember I closed because I, I always closed my eyes when I initially jumped through the uh, thing, and I opened them up 
and my arse collapsed. And I was like, I was only in the rumble for a tiny, a, a little while, and then I remember when, as I was, uh, I was on my knees, I was sort of selling, sort of bringing, my, getting myself up, and this one child ran up to me and just screamed at me, and just started swearing at me, and I was just like, oh god. <laughs> I just remember going back and just hugging Scott McManus going, oh God. <laughs> he, was next, he was next out, so I just sort of hugged him and went, look, you're awful. That's a thing, right, where the way we're all talking now, like uh, we're talking as fans and then um, Manlin's talking as a performer and also as a wrestler fan and we're all talking about stories and stuff like that and I think that's really highlighted the escapism that you can find in wrestling and all sorts of other hobbies so yeah like I, I can't stress enough I go to a lot of shows and I just love them I just love the atmosphere and stuff like that so yeah get yourself out there to shows when this whole Covid thing's over and just enjoy it absolutely no, absolutely I totally agree and obviously no, just bringing in what Quack you said it obviously the world right now is in a very unusual and can be quite a scary place right now, COVID-19 taking over the whole world, but uh, there is benefits to it, you know we get to watch loads and loads of wrestlers there's, look at the WWE Network there's AEW, you know, wrestling's still on the telly, it's great you get a chance to catch up, you know but also, I want to make one point in regards to mental health and in regards to COVID, I know it's scary but the channel Dave actually put out the best advert I've seen about it just make sure if you're the other ones, keep in touch. Friends and family, keep in touch. Text, mobile, your phone, FaceTime, WhatsApp, whatever. Just give them a little text just to make sure they're okay. We'll all be able to get through this. And, you know, we will be fine. We'll beat it. The human race always beats heaven. I try and look at the bright side of things as well, because I think right now with COVID-19, it's showing the world what really matters. And it's not money, it's not fame. We're all in the same boat. It's about just taking care of each other and trying to support, especially in the UK, the NHS as best as we can by just staying in. I, I don't really think there's much more we can really say about boring everyone about COVID-19, but maybe if you're struggling, reach out. There's plenty of people that will reach out to speak to you, you know, friends, family, whatever. If you are struggling, there are plenty of charities. Um, I'm going to put up some links for this when the show goes out. Uh, please just reach out if you are struggling. There is a couple of really useful charities. Uh, we've got the SAMI, the Scottish Association of Mental Health, there's Mind and the, the Samaritans. They are really good, mm. really useful, and they're free. Please, 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 I cannot emphasize this enough. Reach out to someone because I guarantee you someone will listen. Somebody wants to listen. One of my best friends said to me, and it's, it shook me when he said it, he said, I'd rather listen to you moan for 15, 20 minutes then listen to your eulogy for 15 or 20 minutes. Please, please, please reach out to people. And I don't mean to go so far off when we talk about suicide. Even if it's just you're feeling down or you're feeling lonely, please reach out to someone because they will reach back. I promise you. And if, if for some reason if you can't get a hold of someone, please use the charity that I mentioned there. They will help. Is it, is it okay uh, if I, I just, just mention something first? Of course, yeah, of course. Uh, so... This is. I'm just gonna put this out to anyone that's listening. Like, uh, I know this. Like, the world seems awful, and the world, you know, and it's not a great time now. But uh, and may- maybe you feel like you've got no one to talk to, and you're feeling worthless. But believe me, 
somebody does care about you, whether it be a family member, a friend, a neighbour, you know, like you're never truly alone. People do care. And if you weren't there, somebody's life would be actively worse, you know? Mm-hmm. It's a mu- it's hard. Like, I know reaching out is difficult, but if you're really struggling, then you can reach out to anyone, like a friend, whatever. Even if you're struggling, my inbox and Twitter is always open, you know? And mm-hmm. it's a scary place, but you're, you're not useless. You're not worthless. You know, you matter to someone, you matter to me. And that's, you know, so I can really say it's, you know. No, that's a perfect way to sum up. Um, you know, I, I say the same about anyone that believes me. My Twitter inbox is open. If you've got my phone number, phone me, text me, WhatsApp me, whatever. Uh, the only thing I would say is maybe don't Skype me because I'm not exactly that type to look at. I don't want to scare you. <laughs> Well, on that, I think that's the perfect way to end the show. I want to thank my panel, David Hockney. All right. Steve Stacking. Cheers, mate. Daniel Campbell. Grazie. Wacker Day. Muchas gracias, as someone said. And a really special guest. Thank you so much for coming on. King of the Sheet, Manlins. Thank you very much for having me. Well, that's the end of the show, folks. Thanks very much. I hope you're listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Any feedback, please let us know. If you just want to team talk to us, reach out to us, anyone at the the podcast is more than happy to talk to you. So, for myself and my panel, take care. All the best. Look after each other. Ladies and gentlemen, Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet now proudly presents Suplex Retweet Extra! Get bonus content on WWE, AEW, NXT, WCW, Scottish and World Independent Promotions. Subscribe now on Spotify, Apple and Android podcasting sites, as well as YouTube. Head over to suplexretweet.com now. Sports Social Podcast Network.